Good Thursday morning, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com Mailbag Podcast, presented by our good friends at Blue Water Climate Control. For all your heating and air needs, check them out at BlueWaterClimateControl.com, or you can visit them on Twitter at BlueH2O underscore climate. And again, they can take care of whatever needs you have uh, with your heating and air systems. They'll be more than happy to come out, send an expert out to check it out, figure out what you need, what you don't need. It may just be a simple tune-up. It's a great time to do that as we move into the winter season. That's Blue Water Climate Control. All right, plenty to get to on this mailbag podcast. Rob, let's start with some hoops as uh, the basketball program. Everybody wants to know what the schedule is going to look like, and they want to know what it's going to look like in Thompson Bowling Arena for a basketball game. What do you got? Well, we got half the equation. We still don't know exactly what the non-conference schedule is going to look like, but uh, this this morning Tennessee coming out and announcing what their, their guidelines are going to be for – you know, to, because of COVID and all that. So ba- basically 18% of capacity, which is approximately 4,000 people in attendance. Now that includes, you know, people working the game. That includes players, coaches, TV people. So less than 4,000 actual, you know, fans in the stands. Um, face face coverings required at all times, unless you're eating or drinking. Six feet distance between groups. You know, if you're not other than the four people that, that are in your season ticket pod or whatever. And uh, a couple of real, if you're a season ticket holder and you're interested, a couple of things to really pay attention to starting on November, November 10th, they're going to go in descending order of donor rankings. You're going to get an email offering you tickets, probably not where you're, you're accustomed to getting your tickets and you're going to have 24 hours to respond. If you don't elect to take those tickets within 24 hours, then you're they're moving off the list because you know the season's going to be start basically in two weeks from when they do this. Um, interestingly, and not surprisingly, uh, luxury suites are at capacity. Basically, if you own a luxury seat, you can fill it up with, with whoever you want to. That's going to count against the four thousand. Uh, there will be student tickets um, sections one twenty eight through one thirty, and there as of as of right now, there will be no individual game tickets. Tickets are going to be offered as as a season ticket and that's pretty much it and people are being asked to you know buy these tickets without knowing what november december is going to look like do you think cincinnati's going to be at home they've got appalachian state on the books i'm told there's a couple other you know mid-majors that are in there possibility that gonzaga could come to knoxville and uh nine sec games and at least for now kansas is part of the part of the big 12 sec challenge and uh, Rob, because of the distancing and everything, there'll be no courtside seating. Everything will be up um, nope. behind the barrier, if you will, up in the stands. There'll be There's nothing a, along the courtside, right? No courtside seating. There's a 12-foot halo or buffer zone, if you will, around essential personnel, which would include certainly players and, and coaches. Uh, they're actually moving the benches. Um, Tennessee is going to be on the opposite side of the court, as will the opponent, to make room for – you know, the radio TV broadcast people and to, uh, you know, give some more space there. So that'll be a new look. Yep. Certainly an interesting time in basketball, but uh, again, we got full details of that on the site uh, in a story that Rob has as well uh, for all the information you need on, on Tennessee basketball and, and about going to games. Biggest thing to take away from there, no individual tickets going to be sold. So if you're not a season ticket holder, um, you're going to have to watch a lot of basketball games on TV, Rob. Yeah. And just like in football, if you're a, if you had already purchased your season tickets and now you want you want to opt out, 
you can uh, obviously you can give that <laughs> give that money as a donation. Tennessee has made that an option as tax tax free donation, or you can roll it over to next year. Is, is it Brent? I can't remember how the football thing worked. Did they have twenty four hours too? That just seems like such a small amount of time to make a decision. They had a. I think it's the difference in when the season is going to start. Sure, no, I understand. Yeah, but they had a quick short turnaround time that they had to respond. I don't think it was 24 hours, but it was very quick that they had to make a response. And uh, I, I know that the, the Tennessee fund has been in conversation with some donors already for people who have called and asked. And so I don't think for some people that'll be completely out of the blue um, in terms of, of what's coming about, because I know they've been in touch with everybody who's got a luxury suite and everybody else who's got some type of premium seating to let them know what's going on. But um, you know, basketball is going to be really interesting because there's still so many hoops and no pun intended, so many hoops to jump through, Rob, to get this thing off the ground. It's different than football because it's indoor and we haven't, ex you know, haven't experienced indoor. But I mean, yes, football's paved away on some protocols from testing and some things like that. But in terms of the fan experience, this is vastly different than football. And so there's a lot of things to go through. And the fact that you're playing multiple games in a week is very different than football as well from a standpoint of testing, officials, and how you manage all that. There's still a lot of things to get through to get to game one in the college basketball season, not just at Tennessee, but around the country. Sure, I agree. A lot of, a lot of moving parts. I mean, there's more travel. Well, in a normal year, there, there's more travel. And as you mentioned, more games, less time in between games. I mean, you're not going to get a chance to have you know three rounds of testing in between basketball games like you do with football. So, you know, I, I'd say that, I'd say it'll be a moving target. I bet, I bet things will change. Protocols will change and evolve as we go through the season. All right, let's uh, jump to the questions here in the mailbag, and we'll start with Stephen VFL. He wants to know what advantages does Tennessee have over Arkansas on Saturday, and is the bye week really as big of an advantage as we'd like to make it out to be in terms of preparation? Robin, we'll start with you on the first one. Austin, you can jump in here too, but you've got the matchup piece coming up. Uh, later today, Rob, where, where do you like Tennessee in an advantage over the Razorbacks? I, mean, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a dominant advantage. And Tennessee hasn't played great in the run game, but that's really a weak league for Arkansas. I mean, they're bad, bad against the run. Twelfth in the SEC, uh, nearly two hundred yards a game. You know, Tennessee, other than Missouri, has not you know, looked like I expected them to look running the football. But they've also, you know, had got shuffling the offensive line. We know they missed you know, about the injuries. Will they? have five, you know, their best five on the field this week. You know, I'm not sure, but I think that's Tennessee's biggest advantage. Uh, pretty – I mean, and again, I don't think it's a dominating one just because Tennessee hasn't lived up to the hype and and have, have especially not been explosive in, in the run game. I know, Brent, you pointed this out earlier, but long run of the year is 21 yards. Ty Chandler has one for 21. Eric has – Eric Gray has one for 20. I wouldn't have – uh, you could have, you could have taken whatever's in my billfold if you wanted to make that bet with me at the halfway. That, that would be the case at the halfway point of the season. Yeah, I didn't see that coming at all. I mean, I, I thought they would be that, that this team would have some big, much bigger chunk plays in the run game than what they have. Austin, in terms of the bye week being an advantage, I, I don't think in this case it's necessarily an advantage for Tennessee in terms of preparation because. I think in the three days Tennessee practiced last week, it, it was not much about Arkansas. It was much more about Tennessee, don't you think? Yeah, 100%. You know, working on tackling, getting those younger players more uh, caught up to speed, see if they can, you know, find any of those guys to give them some help uh, for this back five. 
but I do think the bye week came at a good time for Tennessee outside of the fact that you got to watch, you know, you know, your football team coming back with, you know, some, a COVID outbreak. Um, you know, I think that being on a three game losing streak, kind of feeling like you're, you know, stuck in the mud, so to speak. I, I think the bye week came at a good time. Now we'll see if they take advantage of it or if, uh, you know, we see much of what we saw in the last three games uh, coming up Saturday night. Yeah, I agree with you that it came at a good time just to kind of catch or collect the breath a little bit and get some guys healthy um, and, and get back to some fundamentals. Now, everybody wants to know, does that mean they're going to see more – you're going to see more young players? We'll have to wait and see. Jeremy Pruitt made it clear again on Wednesday that there's no such thing as a, as a gamer in his mind, you know, that it's about what you do on the practice field. I ask him – uh, Wednesday night on ball calls, how do you know when a freshman is ready or a newcomer is ready to play? And he said, it's pretty obvious when you see it on the practice field. It's, it's pretty, it becomes pretty clear to you. And, and he tied it back to the scrimmages, what you see out of guys in scrimmages. So did anybody in this freshman class jump out last week? We'll have to wait and see if that translates in, into more playing time on Saturday. All right, um, S. Pitfall, I'm assuming that's South Pittsburgh ball. Uh, what do you think this team has – why do you think this team has appeared to like motivation this season? They looked uninspired since the second half of the Georgia game. Arkansas, on the other hand, has played inspired football all season long. If Tennessee doesn't match that on Saturday, it could be a long night. I'll say this. I think really the only time I would, I would criticize Tennessee from an effort standpoint, I didn't think they played very hard in the second half against Kentucky. I thought in the first half – and look, when you give up 75 yards on defense – um, I don't think that's an uninspired effort. Um, certainly when you throw, you know, interceptions on three consecutive series and give up 17 points off turnovers, 14 of them directly, that changes how things look offensively. But that was not an uninspired effort in the first half against Kentucky. It was a poorly played first half against Kentucky. I thought the second half was pretty uninspired. And I've said this before, I think Tennessee and Alabama could play a bunch and uh, Tennessee's not going to win any of those games against Alabama. Do you, do you guys feel like this team has been uninspired since since Athens, Georgia? No. In fact, I, I think they were plenty inspired, at, you know, coming out of the half in Athens and then a turnover and a turnover. And then, you know, that kind of snowballs. Then at Kentucky, you know, you're right. I mean, you know, had they been a little more patient on offense, had you know, not kind of forced a couple of balls and kind of got behind the eight ball, you know, I, I think that, that would have been a, a more inspired effort against Kentucky. And then, of course, as you pointed out, I mean, that, that's kind of how the Alabama games looked, you know, for the last 12 or 13 years, you know, outside of a couple of years where Tennessee was able to keep it close in Tuscaloosa in 2009, 2014. That's how it's looked. So, you know, um, I don't think that they were uninspired, um, you know, but I do think that the, the second half against Kentucky, I think you hit the nail on the head. Rocky Top 10 EC Vol wants to know, why does Tennessee, Rob, not have an identity on offense? What old line does Tennessee roll out with on Saturday? What position group takes the biggest step post-bye week? Rob, we'll start with you. All right, no inconsistent quarterback play, poor quarterback play. I mean, that's, to me, I mean, cut and dry, easiest, I mean, very easy question to an answer. That is their identity. <laughs> Offensive coordinator doesn't trust his quarterback. You can't blame him for not trusting his quarterback. And – that's simple answer. AP, what offensive line are they going to roll out on Saturday? I'm going to go Jameer, uh, Trey, Brandon Kennedy, Cade Mays at right guard, and Darnell Wright at right tackle. Jameer Johnson, earn, earn it or Wanye Hurt? 
Um, I, I think a little of both. Um, you know, I don't think Jameer did anything to lose it. Um, after he had kind of earned it early in the year, he just got injured. He came back at a time when Wanye was injured. And so uh, he's gotten healthier over the course of uh, the last two weeks. Jerome Carvin will play. It would not surprise me at all if Darnell Wright struggles early, if they kick Cade to right tackle and Jerome Carvin assumes into the, uh, to the uh, right guard role. But I- I've talked to multiple people this week who uh, are in agreement with uh, both of you guys that for Tennessee's offensive line to take the ultimate step, you know, they got to get better at center and they got to get a little more physical at center, which means Carvin at center or Cade at center. But you know how these coaches are. They like to, uh, to roll with the older guy. Uh, what position group takes the biggest step post by week? I think it better be the safety spot. Uh, I think that's where Tennessee needs to take the in general. Step. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, certainly I would say, yeah, secondary in general, but certainly the safety and, and or maybe the star position. One of those two positions has to jump the biggest step. Will they? I don't know. Um, you know, uh, we'll see. But, uh, Rob, I think that's where they've got to get the mo- got to go the most. I mean, I-, I looked this up, and I think in the middle of the field, teams are completing over 70% of their passes against Tennessee between the hash marks this season. Just an yeah. incredible number. And <clears throat> – I forget what the number is, but I looked it up too. And and the yards per per catch is is gaudy. I mean, it's glitzy. I mean, they're, they're not just dinking and dunking them. I mean, they're 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 hitting chuck plays consistently. Yeah, I don't. You know, I don't know if it's more the star, more the safety, or if it's just both been bad. I think the inside linebackers have been bad in, in, in coverage and in reading things. But man, if there's anywhere on the team where you know Tennessee, at least on paper and by reputation, has, has some guys that have have some coaches that should be able to fix things in the secondary. It, it, it's there with, with DA and, and your head coach. They, both those guys have got a pedigree. We'll see what this secondary looks like on Saturday night because Felipe Franks, uh, Austin can throw it all over the field and they've got some, they've got some weapons Arkansas does in the passing game. I mean, they're not, you know, look, they, they don't have uh, Alabama weapons, but they've got some guys who can cause you some problems when, when you talk about their size at wide receiver, if they get some one-on-one matchups. They, they've not been bad at that position at all, and Frank seems to be getting better with each passing week. Here's what, here's, here's what I know. Nothing can be as bad as Tennessee's last trip to Arkansas where they ended up on the uh, top ten, the not top ten for tackling, uh, you know, every every list imaginable on that punt return where the guy ran 6,000 yards to run an 80-yard punt return back and made Tennessee's unit look silly. Yeah, the last two trips to Fayetteville for Tennessee have been ugly in a big-time way. Ugly, ugly. All right, volunteered 87. Logic would say freshmen would see an increased role after a bye week, given the extra work they can spend developing versus preparing for a specific team. Without doing, without you doing a st- st- statistical, easy for me to say, deep dive, do you think that's just a theory on paper? Are two weeks to develop is two weeks to develop, no matter what the schedule is? Or do you typically see a noticeable difference in pre-bye week versus post-bye week snaps for freshmen? I think it depends on when the bye week is. Sometimes the bye week's two, three weeks in. Yeah, and and I think and I think it can also depend on if a guy shows out, I mean, you know, I, I've seen, uh, you know, I saw peerless price the week before Florida game in a bye week absolutely storch, scorch John Chavis's defense on the practice field. And he went from red shirting to playing. 
you know, just because of what he got done against them, you know, in some bye week work when he got extra opportunities. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think each situation is different. Did they get more reps last week? Absolutely they did. Did they get enough to earn everybody's trust to play them to where uh, Jeremy Pruitt feels confident enough that a guy's going to run a six-yard dig instead of an eight-yard dig or a 15-yard out instead of a 19-yard out or a 12-yard out? I don't know. Um, you know, I, I think that the head coach has made it clear that's where it's at. I've said this and continue to say this. Give them what they can handle. Give them two or three things they can handle and play those guys, particularly at the receiver position. When you spend your time offensively talking about how you need to be more explosive, put players on the field who can be more explosive. I'm not trying to be critical of some of the guys they're playing, but put the guys out there who can go make a play and be explosive. I don't understand how it's that hard. I mean, like, Brent, how hard is it to say, okay, the tent, everybody, everybody else, we're calling, uh, you know, Omaha Red wide 12, and then, you know, Malachi Weidman or Jimmy Holiday or whoever looks at a specific coach and they say hook, <laughs> slant. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't. Oh, it's totally been done before. I mean, it's, I mean, it's totally been done. And it's been done by people on this staff before with freshman receivers. They have rolled out freshman receivers who did not know what they were doing all the time. Are you I mean, saying I mean, Rick Rogers didn't, uh, didn't ace the ACT? I'm saying he didn't know the offense at, at, at points in time when he was on the field playing. And he's not the only one. I'm just using him as – he and Justin as examples because they were freshmen and Jim Chaney was the guy coaching them. But you can yep. go back through previous years and previous years and find a bunch of guys who didn't know what they were doing and they found their way to, to work them in on the field. So we'll see if that happens um, on, on Saturday night. I've said this too. You know, if you're needing pass rush, let's see Morvin Joseph more. Let's see what Bryson Eason can do. If you're not getting any pass rush out of anybody, throw those guys out there and, and see what happens. All right. Uh, Volunteer 87 also wants to know for you, Austin, on Walter Nolan, um, you can have the combined odds of any two teams or you can pick the field for who will you for who will land him. Which are you taking? Trying to get a gauge on if his recruitment is wide open or if there's already a few teams pulling away. I, I would – and you could argue, you know, teams like LSU, Clemson, Alabama, Tennessee. I'm not sure that I could pick two at this point. So, thus, I would take the field. But he's seen LSU, right? He's now seen Tennessee, correct? Yes, that's correct. He has not seen Clemson yet, has he? I don't, I don't believe so. Yeah. So, I mean, but he wants to take more visits. So, we'll, we'll see. I mean – LSU's not tearing it up. Does that have an effect? I don't know. It can't hurt Tennessee's chances. But, I mean, who knows how big of a positive effect or big deal that would have for Tennessee if LSU continues to struggle on defense. All right, Vol, since 1996, I feel like J.G. is doing okay considering we lost J.J. and uh, Marquez Callaway, which is a lot of the offensive production. Would you guys agree? And also, why are the receivers not getting much separation? You know, I, I don't – I mean, look, I know he lost his – I know he lost some weapons, but he can't throw the ball to other guys, to the other team, directly to the other teams the way he did against Kentucky, okay, uh, the way he did in the interception against George. I, I don't care who his receivers are. Robbie's been in this offense. He's been in this program. He's played college football long enough. He can't keep making the mistakes that he's making. Did he yeah. play okay the first couple of games? Sure he did. Um, did he play okay against Alabama? Yes, for what they asked him to do. Um, 
but what he did in the second half against Georgia and what he did against Kentucky is not going to win Tennessee football games down the stretch of this season. Well, I mean, I, I don't feel like he's doing okay. I mean, I mean, I don't have much to add to your point. I mean, losing receivers doesn't have anything to do with throwing it to the, throwing it to the other team or not, or, you know, in your fifth year, still not being able to feel pressure and, you know, and, and secure the football. So no. Austin, why is this receiving core not getting separation? Well, the guys that are playing are not, uh, they're not burners. And I get it. Like, you know, you don't always have to be a burner to get separation, but in most instances you do like Jawan did not get a ton of separation. You know, he just kind of bodied and, and competed and, and went and got the football when it was thrown to him. So um, I, I think that's the biggest thing. And, you know, I, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's, if it's the plays they're calling or the, the route trees within the play or the fact that they just don't have a lot of speed out there uh, with their current group of receivers because they're not playing the young kids yet. That like, does it not feel like when they throw it into an area that there's like another receiver real close by, and and, and as a result, multiple DBs. I mean, like it feels like they throw into traffic all the time. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I mean, I, I mean, I, I think that their spacing has not been very good to borrow a basketball term, and their timing has been bad as well. So I, I think that's a valid point there. Um, you know, other than a deep ball, they haven't gotten separation from anybody you know, on a crossing route or a slant or whatever, they've not created any separation. Sometimes that's not speed. Sometimes it's phys physicality at the line of scrimmage. Sometimes that's just technique at the line of scrimmage. But sometimes right. it's also scheming it up. I mean, you right. go back that, that pass to, to Brandon Johnson at South Carolina, you know, um, not the one-handed grab, but the pass to him in the second half. Um, you know, that was a nicely designed play where it, he was kind of open, open open he he was open to Asheville I mean he was wide open and it was and again that's where the frustration jumps in to, for a lot of people he was more open than those hotels in Hendersonville <laughs> that that they were that were all they were all booked at 1 30 in the morning uh but it, it is it is bizarre Rob that they haven't had more offensive creativity uh during this three-game losing streak. Or, or, or it feels like they've not had any offensive creativity in this three-game losing streak I, I agree on the one hand, and I mean, and, and I don't need to pile onto the kid because I'm not. I mean, that's I'm not interested in that. I just think I think they're so hamstrung by how limited and inconsistent Jared is. I think they're terrified of him. I think they're terrified of what he might do. I think that just influences everything about what Jim Cheney does in his job. All right, let's go to I Heart Balls. Dabo didn't become Dabo until he signed Deshaun Watson. Can Ty Simpson be Pruitt's Watson? AP, I mean, sure he could. Um, whether it's whether it's Ty, Caden Salter, they've got a hit on somebody. You know, Butch hit on Josh Dobbs, and Josh Dobbs. What'd you say? Accidentally, you know, in, in true, true Butch fashion. He still hit on him. You know, I, I agree. And, and, Gotta give him and, credit. And so, like, Josh was limited in his quarterback ability in certain ways. You know, he was never going to be that the accurate passer that everybody hoped he would be, but he was just a playmaker. You know, he took nothing and turned it into something so, so many times. And, um, you know, if Tennessee could get a quarterback like that right now, I think ball fans would crawl on their hands and knees, you know, from here to, you know, Tuscaloosa. From Memphis to Mountain City. There you go. <laughs> yeah, well, and the thing about Dobbs is he was a perfect fit 
athletically well, well, for what maybe. they wanted to do offensively. Yeah, uh, and so I mean, like maybe I mean, I, you know, whether it's Caden, whether it's Ty, whoever it is, they've got to they've got to find a quarterback that is the guy. Yeah, and the guy that can make plays, can manufacture plays when things break down. Yeah, you want a quarterback that's going to sit back there and can wing it all over the field. But when things go bad, can he still make a play, whether it was his arms, with his legs? Right now, Tennessee doesn't have that. Nope, they don't. I agree with that. All right, also, you probably saw the athletic article about Penix that referenced Pruitt processing him and Martinez as well as Lane processing Boyd and Petty. Uh, why, in your opinion, did they do that? All right. On Taj Boyd and Petty, uh, Lane Kiffin was influenced not by Jim Chaney, but by Ed Orgeron, that he could get better than those two guys, um, which obviously was a mistake. Um, I, I mean, they would have been better off, uh, in my opinion, if they taken Taj Boyd. And then Tyson Helton, Austin, didn't think Penix and Martinez was what they wanted, right? That's correct. Um you know, I, I don't want to throw Tyson totally under the bus on I, – I, I think that was a kind of a joint decision with Jeremy on Penix. Um, uh, but as far as, you know, Adrian Martinez, you know, they – I mean, like, either they didn't jive well enough or they didn't – the, the whole pitch, you know, Tyson Helton, again, he told this to Cade. He told this to Adrian Martinez. Both kids told me this individually without the other one knowing that he was going to look into their soul. When you're a 17-year-old kid and some old, some 40-year-old man tells you that he's going to look into your soul, I'm not sure that resonates. And so that thing kind of went in a different direction. Had Tennessee been able to handle that the right way, Adrian Martinez is here and JT Stroud's not. Well, you think Adrian Martinez can play that's hotly ever, always hotly debated on the general's quarters. He's better than JT Shrout. So you would instantly be better and, or, you know, on, on the whole in the quarterback room. The following year, they didn't really like Sam Howell when Sam Howell really kind of liked them. And then, of course, Sam Howell ends up going to North Carolina. He still may have ended up going to North Carolina anyway, but you don't know that. And so, you know, would you have rather had Sam Howell, who, again, sure has a lot of leadership qualities that you feel like you're missing at that position, or Brian Maurer, who, you know, I'm not sure has a whole lot of leadership abilities. He may have some raw ability, but from a guy that can, you know, get in the huddle and everybody's going to follow him, I'm not sure he's that guy like Sam Howell has been for North Carolina. So, again, Tennessee's got to find their guy at quarterback, whether it be in this 21 class with Caden Salter or the 22 class with Ty Simpson. All right, let's, uh, let's run through a couple of quick ones real quick here as uh, we get ready to get out the door. Rob, on, on the hoops front, you still have the Vols in Kentucky as your favorite. Who do you see rounding out the top five teams in the SEC? Also, what's uh, your biggest concern for this team in terms of a deep run? For example, I'm worried about how they defend length in the post. All right, you still got the Vols and the Cats as your two favorite in the league? I got the Vols and the Cats, and, you know, I haven't really put a lot of thought into, you know, filling out my SEC ballot yet. I assume we'll be asked to do that in, in the next little bit. Uh, I think Alabama's going to be a lot better. Will they be in the top five? I don't know. I mean, LSU's obviously going to have some – some some strong ass talent year in and year out. I think they'll be a top five team. Auburn's going to take a step back. I think Arkansas is going to take a take a big step forward. I don't know that they're a top five team. The three I, I think are definitely that that I feel like will definitely be up there are, are Kentucky, Tennessee, LSU, and 
without just you know having having looked at it hard. That, that's those are the three I feel the strongest about right now. All right, biggest concern for this team making a run. I would agree. Defending length will, will be a big one, but um, uh, you know, are the freshmen as good as advertised? I mean, everybody knows that I've not been shy about riding the the Keon Johnson hype train. It, it is if he if he's as good as as I'm hearing he is. If Jaden Springer is as good as I'm hearing he is. And I think Tennessee can make a deep run, but they have got to be that good. All right, who's your top five and first couple of guys off the bench? Cedar Bluff of all needs to know. Uh, easy, I mean, pretty easy in the five. Folky and Ponds. There's no way Keon's not starting. I think Springer starts. Josiah or Santiago as the other one. Again, I'm not seeing these guys. I'm just talking to people from what the way things sound lately. Sounds like Santiago may be the starter, but I won't be shocked that Josiah is. And then uh, off the first guy off the bench, it's going to depend on whether you're subbing for a big guy or, or perimeter. If it's a big guy, it's Anasiki. Uh, if you're going perimeter, it's whoever didn't start between Josiah and Santiago. And uh, that's seven deep. Beyond that, I see um, Camwa play it ahead of Plavsic. And Bailey is going to get some minutes as the, the fifth guy on the perimeter. All right. Uh, VFL 2-3, Austin wants to know what are the odds Tennessee gets Nyland Green this month? I think he does do something this month. Um, you know, I I think Tennessee is positioned extremely well for Nyland. Georgia's not going to go away though. I mean, they they are they are trying like crazy to get him to come back over there. And remember, he only lives 40, 45 minutes away. So, you know, that's something that like Tennessee is going to have to sweat out. And even if they land him later in the month, they'll have to sweat that one out until he signs. All right. Bronco Vall wants to know, where is Tennessee looking for 21 prospects at pass rusher and defensive line? Starts with Walter Nolan, right? What, 21 or 22? Oh, he says 21. Excuse me. 21. Um, well, in 21, they'd love to get back in on Trevally Price. That's the one they continue to work pretty hard. Um, he's been receptive. Um, you know, and he, he's talking to them, which is really surprising when you factor in that NC State's actually had a decent year to this point uh, in the ACC when a lot of people thought they would not be very good. Um, defensive line, Taiwan Malone, obviously, would, 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 would fit exactly what Tennessee wants to do uh, from an interior lineman standpoint. But to rush the passer – to get that guy, I think they'd love to try to get back in on Trevally Price if they could. All right, Music City Vols, when will the NCAA decide on what the 85 scholarship limit may be raised to, if at all? Um, has that been determined? Has that been discussed? And says it would have to be ruled on before the early signing day. I don't see any ruling on that before the early signing day. And regardless of record, if UV were to get invited to any bowl game, uh, even though it might cost more money to attend, would Tennessee pass on that or would they take a bowl game? I think they would take a bowl game to continue practice, particularly with the young players they have. I don't see them turning down a bowl, treat, a bowl trip in any way. And in our final question, go ahead, Rob. I, I think that's a fascinating question because I'm not, I mean, you, I mean, you, I, I would, I would defer to you, but I don't think it's a slam dunk. Well, but here's the thing. Remember this about bowl games. I don't think the bowl games are going to be your classic bowl game. I think it's going to be like a road trip. Oh, well, that makes so, more sense. I mean, you so don't think you're, you're going to stay seven days. Or yeah, if you're going to the Music City Bowl, you're going to the Music City Bowl because they're not going to be team events and right. get into all of that stuff. So, you're not staying at Sawgrass for a week. No, and so and, and I don't think you're going to travel around. I think they'll try to do that by location to keep it, you know, as close oh, as you can. to be, that's, that's, a great, that's a great point. That's a so great point. I think it's a cheaper avenue than it's been in years past. All right, yeah, final I look question. forward to the Ripley's Bowl up in Gatlinburg. Uh, <laughs> 
played at the Rocky how Dump, Rocky up Dump there? Sports World. Right, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Play that thing. Make that happen. Uh, he could make that happen. No question. All right, last question. VFL four knocks. Do you feel our offensive scheme is outdated or not adjusted enough to our players? Or are we just not talented enough in key positions? Is Cheney's style of play not flashy enough with motion, smoke and mirrors um, type of decoration, eye candy, if you will, the way the college game is now? We are a lineup run it between the tackles, play action, pass offense, it seems. Are we putting our players in the best position to succeed is my question. If not, does Pruitt look to move on from Cheney after the season? Quarterback play. You know, I don't – just quarterback play. I, I just think it's simple. Yeah. We had this question a couple of weeks ago on the on the, the, the mailbag about what, you know, if you, if you become a head coach, what's the first thing you would do? In Austin, we talked about it. You go hire two really good coordinators, and you better go find a quarterback. That's what you got to have because the, Sam Pittman. the team that has a quarterback who can play, they advance quicker. Um, I do think Tennessee is going to have to get a little more creative. Cheney's going to have to get more creative. I don't think I don't think there's a plan to move on from Cheney after the season, but the RPO is going to have to have a real RPO feel to it, where there's some real legitimate options out of it, Austin, if they're going to play shotgun RPO type game. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to stick it in the belly every now and then you got to keep it right. Yeah, you, know, you do. Or, or you got to throw the pass out of it. You do. And and that's something that JG is going to just throw the pass out of it. Cause he, I don't see him keeping it. But their RPO game has been very ineffective all season long, even in Tennessee's two wins. So we'll see what this Tennessee offense looks like come Saturday night in a key matchup against Arkansas. We'll have full coverage of uh, the game. We'll have full coverage to get you ready with the matchup piece later today. We have 10 things I think, I think, coming up on uh, Friday, the cheat seat, and all our coverage from Fayetteville as Tennessee looks to start the back half of the season on a winning note as they travel to Fayetteville to take on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Hey, don't forget our friends at Blue Water Climate Control for all of your heating and air needs. They're going to do your repair the right way the first time. It's the right repair. Whatever you need, they're going to take care of you. All the repairs come with a one-year warranty. Give them a call today at 865-299-2290, or you can book an appointment online. That's Blue Water Climate Control. For Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubs. Thanks for joining us on this mailbag edition of the podcast, and have a great Thursday, everybody.